Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Bruce Royal concludes our Advent series, Jesus, Our Exemplar. Today, looking at Jesus, Our Exemplar of Bringing Joy to Families. And now, here's Bruce. Morning. Morning. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for the, the thoughts of Advent that brings us into the season of Christmas. Wonderful, isn't it? It is indeed. Let's just open up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we can share together. Thank you for the the thoughts that uh, we're going to look at this morning. May you bless those thoughts. May those thoughts just uh, stay with us through the balance of the week. So we just do, once again, thank you for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the title of this message this morning is around the theme of Advent. And more specifically, it's Jesus, our exemplar, of bringing love to families. Or Jesus, our example, of bringing love to families. Showing us love in families. This is expressed in our relationships that we have with families. The thought of family is universal. People will often say that the group that is closest to them is their family. Whether that family is their own immediate family or whether it's part of an extended family or perhaps the church family or peer members in the military are regarded as they're my family or a sports team pulls together a group. They're like my family. There are so many variations of what family is really about. Yet in all of these different expressions of family, it's all about the way we interact with each other in various relationships. The value that we attach on the people in that relationship makes us family. So regardless of the makeup, it's the value that we attach that joins us together and makes us family. Okay. All right. Jim shared an excellent message last week. And it focused on Jesus, the example, in bringing love into relationships. And I would like to extend on Jim's message this morning of Jesus bringing love into family relationships. In this message, I'd like to focus us on the theme of joy. And joy is a triangle. And thinking about joy as an acronym, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and yourself. In that triangle forms the basis of joy. Jesus, yourself, interacting with others. Genuine joy begins with the personal relationship 
with God through the person of Jesus. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. Fullness is found in a relationship with God that's eternal. And that's an amazing thought this morning. The relationship we have right now with God is an eternal relationship that will never end. All other earthly relationships fade in contrast with the deepness and the fullness and the complete honesty of a relationship that we have with God. The lens that I'd like to focus on this morning, this message, is a relationship, first of all, with ourselves, yourselves, apart from God. And then moving into a relationship with Jesus. And then falling on from that, a relationship we have with others because of our relationship with Jesus. And that may extend to what we would call family relationships. The acronym Jesus, others, and ourselves, or yourselves. Relationship with ourselves. Let's first of all start with that. Apart from Jesus. We all began in exactly the same place. Paul describes the situation and where we were in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. He said, remember that. At times you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. That's where we all began. That's where our relationship was with God. We were outside of the promise. We were citizens that were excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and we were without hope and without God in the world. Very lonely place, being excluded like that. And I've never really thought it before, but in terms of a relationship with ourselves, we do have a relationship with ourselves. You ever thought about that? Does that sound odd or weird? I have a relationship with myself. You may be like me a little bit, who likes to talk to themselves. Anybody like to talk to themselves out there? Hmm. We all have this inner voice that we dialogue with, debate with reason with, rationalize, compromise, or even share a little funny story once in a while that only we get. On a personal note, and on a much more serious level, when I think about the relationship that I had with myself, I can describe and summarize my life before coming to Christ as an endless Search for personal identity. Who is Bruce Royal? Who is that guy? Maybe some of you have had the question all figured out 
But in my case, I was far from that point. My introspective voice and my questioning voice was not delving into the typical deep thoughts such as, what am I here for? Or, do I even know the purpose of life? My conversation with myself was more at a basic level. Simply, do people like me? Or do I even like myself? That led, as a youth, as a younger person, to this internal, ongoing debate for years, questioning those things that came from my lack of identity, of not knowing who I really was. The odd thing about that is the personal search for identity was always found in attaching myself to something external. Other identifiable things, character identifiable things that I thought were favorable. As a young person, it was not particularly helpful for me. Like things like trying to be cool, trying to be accepted by your peers, trying to appear to be, I don't know, something that other people accepted, whatever that looked like. Reaching and striving for things I could identify as successful as I got older, I started looking for things that, how could I identify myself with things as a young man that I thought were successful? So, becoming a husband and a father, starting a family, pursuing an education, or getting a job that even has a future, I thought, surely these things will certainly satisfy my quest for personal identity. And in some ways, they did. But in an interesting way, these things made me hungrier to know, who am I? Who really am I? The discovery of Jesus upon believing in him, believing on his name. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who received him, those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. I shared my testimony a month or so ago of how Sharon and I came to know Christ. And it was at that time that God gave me an identity. Who I really was. I am a child of God and it was mind-blowing. My son Dylan, Dylan's got this phrase, he says, it was a mind-melter. It was. For me, it was a mind-melter that I was a child of God going from this Youth and this young man who was wondering who I was to finding that and resting in that. Who would have thought? Who would have even thought 
The key to discovering personal identity is letting go of yourself. Letting go of yourself. To discover your own true identity. On the surface, it sounds contradictory. It sounds irresponsible. And it also sounds ridiculous. You want to find out who you are? Let go of yourself. Well, what good is that? But in truth, that's exactly what God calls us to do. In reflection, the honesty of repentance and facing sin and letting go of self and the value that I put on myself, the perceived value of who I thought I was when coming to Jesus was truly refreshing. Not terrifying or irresponsible, but refreshing. In life, it's like crossing a bridge and then turning around and seeing the bridge collapse behind you. And then coming to the realization, I can't go back to the old self. The old self is on the other side of that bridge and I've crossed over. And now I'm the new self. New in Christ. I'm in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, it's not one of these casual, passive, occasional kind of relationships. Jesus takes his relationship with me very seriously. Of course, receiving Christ as Savior, and not only pondering the forgiveness of sin, but finally discovering myself as a child of God, realizing my own true, genuine, personal identity was amazing. Lifelong. Eternal. The day was launched in 1982. You say 1982 and it sounds like Columbus moved back there or something. 1982. That was was when I came to the Lord. 1982. Not 1882. 1982. It launched me on this tangent that I've been on ever since that day. I received Christ as my Savior and never once again doubting who Bruce Royal is. I know who Bruce Royal is. I've carried that my whole practical adult life from the time I was 22. I know who Bruce Royal is. It's said that it's impossible to love others if you don't first love yourself. Heard that? I'm not sure if you've thought about it, but you've heard it. I think it's an absolute true statement. But now, loving myself was, isn't like, oh, isn't I, aren't I wonderful? Oh, you know, I'm great. No, it's not that kind of conceited, yucky stuff. Loving yourself is more about loving and discovering who Jesus is, who indwells me. And also the Spirit of God who fills me. I, we, are a vessel of the Holy Spirit. And we are a vessel of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? In the Baptist church they say, Amen. Amen? Amen. 
Unfortunately, my relationship with Christ is not dependent upon my ability to be sinless or perfect. And there are some people think that's what Christians are. They should be sinless. They should be perfect. They're on this pedestal. I'm not on the pedestal. I admit to you, I am not on the pedestal. Sin is never condoned by God. But remarkably, sin is understood from God's perspective. It's understood. Who we are is human, recognizing we're not perfect. First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and restore us to righteousness. I do continue at times to sin as a believer, but I'm no longer lost in the turbulence of doubt and anxiety, wondering how is my sin going to be held against me in the future. Jesus deals with it plainly when he said in Mark, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in Psalm, your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And there is a multitude of verses in the Bible that point to the fact your sins have be, been forgiven in Christ. They have been removed. What is this telling me? The answer is, my relationship with Christ is secure. My relationship with Jesus is secure. I don't have doubt. I don't have anxiety issues with Jesus. My relationship with him is secure. Now, that relationship, that secure relationship, that bridge can be extended to others in a healthy way. Because that relationship has been established firmly. With Jesus, we've been bought with a price. We're no longer our own. Second Corinthians 5.17. Familiar verse. This may sound a lot like letting go of everything. Losing control. But what is the first step of discovering f- true freedom? Realizing that Jesus Christ loved us even before we were conceived. That's an amazing thought. Before we were conceived, Christ loved us. In the womb, Christ loved us. Even before we had the opportunity to present ourselves as lovable, we were loved. And that gives me a sense of security, of undeniable identity. I don't have to pose I don't have to pretend. I don't have to be a person I'm not. Everybody in my family knows who I am. And they know I'm far from perfect. Jesus knows who I am in the same way. He loves me. My family loves me. In my imperfection. The thought of Jesus standing before God as a mediator, defending us as a lawyer and declaring that he died for our sins is amazing. First John says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, 
we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus, the righteous one. Of course, at the time of Jesus' birth, this was revolutionary thinking. Thinking that you could have a relationship with God on a personal level. In the Old Testament, we see occasions of personal relationship with Almighty Jehovah God. And we see people being kept at a distance. They weren't invited to come. They're outside the perimeter. Only a few special people came in to the place of having this unique, intimate relationship with God. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. No one ever seen God, but God, the one and the only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. We contrast that as believers, we've been invited into the very throne room, throne room of God when we pray. The Old Testament talks about being outside the camp, outside the tabernacle. Here, Hebrews 4, 6 is an amazing verse. It says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Here, as believers, we are allowed, we're given the privilege of approaching the throne of grace in the presence of God when we pray. What an awesome thought. It's no wonder that we're said, we say that we're not our own, that we're bought with a price, and we've been crucified with Christ. Yes, Christ lives within us. In relationships, we look to other people in relationships. Outside of Jesus, we're broken. All of us are broken in some way. Why? Because simply because people involved in relationships are broken themselves. No person is perfect. We all have scars. We all have things about us that have caused us to be broken. As younger and older adults, we sometimes use the phrase about describing our position in life. We say, we're just trying to figure things out. That's what we're doing. Just trying to figure it out trying to get by, trying to do our best. In Christ, the figuring out is done. The solution is simple. The most popular verse in the Bible is John 3.16. You go to any sports events, you're going to see the placard. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Bible tells a simple message that God loved us without condition as these broken people. Sinful, disobedient people, all together, collectively loved by God. The love that Jesus brings into the relationship is based on perfect love. Unbroken and unconditional love. Jesus takes impossible, 
the impossible thought of using broken people into a perfect relationship with himself. Isn't that amazing? I stand amazed sometimes thinking, do you really love me, Lord? And then verses of the Bible, like John 3.16, reinforce the fact, I am loved by God. Other people are loved by God. If God loves me in that way, I can love others, or I can try my best to love others in the same way. And so, relationship with others. We've seen what perspective looks like of relationship apart from God. We've seen the beauty of relationship in Christ. The security that brings of having that relationship with Christ. And now, we take that relationship and we extend it to others. And those others become members of our family, our extended family, our church family, our human family. Every relationship starts, begins with two imperfect people. With an optimistic attitude. Filled with optimism. We sit, we think, we may say, we can do this. We can have a great relationship together. We can do this. The reality soon of our flaws settles in and we realize that relationship is not as perfect as we thought it would be. And there may even be some pretty challenging work ahead to make this relationship work. And at that point, it's the moment of choice. For many of us, the decision, do we pursue this relationship and do the demanding work or do we abandon it and move on to something that we perceive as easier? But of course, the moving on to something easier is just an illusion because we soon realize the next attempt with relationship comes with similar challenges. So it brings us back, circling back to square one. Although the triangle of joy, relationship with Jesus, relationship with others because of my relationship with Jesus, is the beginning of understanding how relationships can overcome challenges and can be sustained because we have an example in Christ of what a, a healthy, loving, beautiful, unconditional relationship looks like. And we feel secure in that. We can extend ourselves to other people in the same way and not feel like we're somehow exposing ourselves or being vulnerable. All we're doing is just taking the same love that God gave us and extending it to other people. Personally, at times, I can be a loner. I don't know if you're like me. Enjoy spaces by yourself. Enjoying these quiet moments without other people around. But fundamentally, I come back to the realization 
that people, including me, were designed for relationship with other people. We're designed to be in relationship with other people, in family. Whatever that family looks like, we're designed to be part of that and not an island floating in the Pacific by yourself with your feet up in this water washing the sand. It looks idyllic, idyllic. But in fact, in periods of time, it becomes lonely and is not realistic. The relationship that we enter with Jesus is significantly different than anything else we can describe with other people. And I find this odd and interesting in my relationship with Christ is never stressful. I'm never stressed with Jesus. He gets me. He understands me. I talk with the Lord I sense his presence, and I don't feel stressed. The more I immerse myself in him, the more he immerses himself in me. And as a result, I am comforted. I'm secured. I know who I am. My identity is secure. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Just taking on the yoke of Jesus. I cannot always say that it is not stressful with relationships with other people. Some people stress me out. It's just how it is. But our ability and our capability to relate to others and have a relationship with others is a gift of God based on the fruit of the Spirit, based on His fruit that He immerses within me through the Holy Spirit. This is expressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when we ask, what is love? And Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 of how Jesus brings love into relationships. The list in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 describing love and what God is and what a relationship with God is, and he describes what it's not, and he describes what it always is. And he says of this, of love, love is patient. Love is kind. He says, this is what it's not. It doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, there's no recordings of wrongs, it doesn't delight in evil, and it always, always protects, trusts, hopes, and preserves question comes to mind immediately when I think about this list. Does that describe me? Does that describe my love for other people? Does that describe my character, my reputation, who I am, how I love? 
And I know the answer is not always. It's true. Ask my family. The other interesting thing about this is the fruit of the Spirit, of how the fruit of the Spirit aligns almost perfectly with the description of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit that comes to the Holy Spirit working within us, expressing fruit, is seen as an outcome of love. And those things of love are love expressed by God, not me. There's another list that describes me at times. And it's not these things in love. But the fruit of the Spirit coming through me by the Holy Spirit aligns perfectly with the love of Christ. And that's what we see. And that's what gets extended to family, to other people, because of my relationship with Christ. It's transferable. It's contagious. Other people become contacted by that love. And it's unmistakable. It's supernatural. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are not things that naturally come out of people. But the Holy Spirit enables those things to come out. To demonstrate the love to others, the fruit of the Spirit that He gives. Although the answer to the above question is not always. We realize that God is working and transforming us to conform to his will, his example, and he's the example that he brings to us in love. So this Christmas season, we think about joy, we sing about joy, we meditate, we read the words joy. Joy is Jesus, ourselves, and yourselves, or Jesus, others, and yourselves. The triangle that makes the connection that expresses joy perfectly. Not only to Jesus in us, but to other people. And so with that, interesting thought. I didn't pick the hymns today. I didn't have input on them. Our last hymn that Vicky picked is Joy to the World. So I'll ask the music team to come back up and... Sing that last hymn. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.